welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 248. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Henry. Hi. Henry's here with me today. I guess he was bored or something. I don't know. But we're doing it again. What's new, Henry? I started a charcoal drawing. Yes, Henry is experimenting with a new medium for his artwork. How's it going? Good. Yeah? I like it. Awesome. So he's been drawing some charcoal drawings. If you follow the um, social media for my other podcast, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown. There, I just plugged myself. I posted a a picture, a a little quick doodle that I did of Snoopy, and Henry did the shading for that. So you can see that as a sample of, uh, oh, it's my drawing, I guess. He draws much better than I do. But But I'm not going to sell it because it's copyrighted. Well, yeah, that's just a little doodle we did. So we're not going to sell that one. But Henry is working on some other artwork that he uh, is indicating. But I could still draw a dog. It's not Snoopy. Sure. So at some point soon, up on the Instagram, we'll put up some new charcoal drawing from Henry uh, that you can peruse. Let us know what you think of it. If you want to buy a print, we'll be happy to make that happen. Uh, a signed print. And he is, as always, available for custom it, work. If you want custom work, now I'm doing drawings. Um um, say which which medium you want, you yeah. want to do, like regular or like charcoal. So he'll do charcoal, he'll do uh, pencil, markers, pencil, pencil fine liners, uh, cartoons, whatever. I only do cartoons. What? I only do cartoons. Yeah, cartoons, or charcoal, well, admit, drawings. Charcoal, draw, charcoal and pencils and that stuff is mostly for <laughs> realistic, but I don't know how to draw realistic, so I use the charcoal for... My cartoons. Yeah. Because I, I'm getting better at where, where to place the shadows. Yeah. So, in other news this week, I have kind of some sad news. Uh, for me, I, uh, I don't really even know how to talk about this, but I, I think it's probably just best just to say it, and, and then I can, I can move on. I broke my favorite coffee mug. It's a mug I've had for. 10 years, I suppose, and uh, it finally broke, and uh, I'm kind of not happy about it. It was a mug, it was a white mug, it was, it was. Uh, remember Lost, the TV show Lost? It was a mug based on the uh, Dharma Initiative mugs from Lost, and it said mug on it, and it was just my favorite mug, and it finally broke this week, and it, it really, really bothered me to an unreasonable degree, because it's a coffee mug, but, so I was not happy about that. Um, I can't even blame Henry. He didn't break it. Well, I could blame him, I guess. All right, I'm blaming you. Sorry, Henry. It's the counter's fault. It's the counter's fault. Yeah. But I, I'm going to blame Henry. So, yeah, I was not happy about that. Does any, Do any of you guys have something that you've lost or broken that bothered you to an outsized degree? I would be curious to hear about that. In other news, we got some feedback. Michael Tyler from the Patreon... Uh, hi, Michael. Uh, commented on the Dukes of Hazard episode 247. True story, he says. Good old Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane was an avid gamer until his death several years ago. I assume he means the actor, of course. James Best was a big gamer. I did a very superficial bit of research on Google to see if I could verify that. Uh, and while I learned a lot about James Best, the actor, I did not see anything that talked about his... Uh, love of video games. I learned that James Best wasn't his real name. I learned that he did a ton of stuff. 
an actor, a voice actor, a musician, a singer, an acting teacher, you know, a professor at a college, just a ton of stuff. He was in some big movies uh, early on with some, you know, James Stewart and some other big names. Just a ton of stuff. And he died not that long ago, uh, eight or ten years ago. Uh, I did not see anything that talked about uh, a love of video games, but I would be curious to know more about that. If any of you have any details about that part of James Best's history, let me know. I'm Duke Boy. He'll be coming by here just any moment now. I can feel it in my bones. I just, I just can't wait to get I also heard from, on Twitter, at 8BitRocket, Jeff Fulton. Hey, Jeff. He commented regarding Dukes of Hazard. We loved this show back then, too, but even we never took it seriously. The game sounds like fun, and if Henry likes it... Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Henry's kind of a harsh critic. I'm recording this, uh, by the way, after the recording the main episode, so he's not here to defend himself, which is all the more fun. Henry's kind of a harsh critic. He's open to these old games and sometimes has fun, but he's also um, a, a tough sell. He knows what he likes... And he knows what he doesn't like, and that changes from day to day. I think he did kind of have fun with the game that we're playing this week, The Earth Die Screaming. Less so with the Dukes of Hazard, although I don't think he actively hated it, like he does some of the games we do on the show. He's never seen Dukes of Hazard. I commented on the episode that I didn't think the show held up, necessarily. Jeff, I'd be curious to know what you think of the show now, all these years later. And in fact, I'd be curious to hear what anybody thinks of the show now. All these years later, is this something that could be remade? Is there a place for a new take on the Dukes of Hazard in 2020? We remake everything now, so presumably the answer is yes, there's a place for it. But is that place a good place? Thanks, Jeff. And thanks, everybody. Keep the comments coming. You got anything else to talk about before we move on, Henry? No. All right. Well, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Get ready. The Earth Dies Screaming! From 20th Century Fox, 1983. With a uh, title like that, you, that's how you have to say it. You were 12. What? You were 12. In 1983? Yeah. Well, gee, Henry, thanks for doing the math on that. Oh, Kids, man. Oh. All right. Old. So let's talk about how you play The Earth Dies Screaming! Hey, Jen. From 20th Century Fox, you may remember we also played Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes. And now we're back with The Earth Dies Screaming. The objective, save the Earth from the diabolical trillions. They have set up attack bases which launch kamikaze satellites and trillion fighters. You must stop them! Exclamation point. Every satellite that gets by you will explode on Earth and drain your energy sources. Every time your space... Destroyer is hit by trillion fighters. More energy is lost. To regain energy, you must seek out a trillion attack base and destroy it. It is very important to keep your energy level high. If you lose it all, the trillions will have a celebration as the Earth dies screaming. So here's how it works. You're at the control panel of a mighty space destroyer armed with a powerful laser cannon. The radar screen at the top of your television screen can detect approaching trillion fighters and satellites, which are not yet visible to the human eye. The scanner is unable to detect trillion attack bases at any distance. Trillion fighters and satellites are shown on the scanner as small white dots. They look more green, at least on my screen anyway. Your space destroyer is shown as a large white diamond. The radar scanner shows the base, uh, the battle, as seen, all capitals, from above. 
I don't know why it's all capital letters, but it is. Using the radar scanner as a guide, steer your destroyers toward the approaching enemy by tilting the joystick in the appropriate direction. The scrolling pattern of the Earth's surface, the stars visible through the destroyer window, and the radar scanner show which direction you are traveling. When Trillian craft get closer to Earth, you will be able to see them through the large destroyer view window located in the center of your television screen. The white crosshairs on the window is your destroyer's gun sight. The crosshairs show where a laser blast will hit if fired. Every time you are hit by Trillian fire, the view window will flash blue. Every time you hit a Trillian, the view window will flash red. Once you can see a Trillian through the view window, your laser cannon's automatic tracking system, located near the bottom of the screen, is activated. Two tracking arms will automatically follow the enemy's vertical movement. The crosshairs will automatically stay locked in to the height level of the enemy. You must steer the laser cannon to the right or left to aim at your target. Press the joystick button to fire. Your laser cannon has an unlimited supply of ammunition, so don't be shy about blasting away. Your current score is shown in center of the game status bar at the bottom of your television screen. After each game, the high score since the cartridge was last inserted or the power last turned on will be shown there. The two blocks on either end of the status bar change color during the game to show your destroyers and the Earth's energy levels. Green means energy level is high, yellow means uh, level is critical, red means Earth's energy level is... Oh, yellow is for destroyer's energy level is critical, red is Earth's energy level is critical. When either energy level is critical, you'll also be warned by an alarm. At this point, you must either get more energy by blasting a trillion base, or prepare for the end. Not the end of the show, uh, fortunately for you, dear listener. Kamikaze satellites are programmed to explode upon reaching Earth. If any of the winged bombs get past you and reach the target, strength will be drained. Trillion fighters are headed towards Earth for some heavy-duty bombing. They are programmed to destroy anything that gets in their way. That means you. If you're hit by enemy fire, you'll lose energy. Dodge the blast whenever you can. If a fighter gets past you, it will bomb the Earth and drain strength from the Earth's energy field. Returning fighters have a white bar across the back of the ship, not shown in the screen illustration, for those of you who can see it. Everyone in the back? Okay, good. If you can keep a returning fighter in your view window for five seconds, a trillion base will appear. Destroying a trillion attack base is the only way you can gain energy. All capital letters. Again, for no reason. If you lose track of a trillion base, you will have to follow another returning fighter to another base. Scores range from 825 points for a kamikaze satellite up to 1,500 points for a trillion base. The Earth dies screaming. Gets more difficult as you can need to play. Even so, a skilled player should be able to dodge enemy fire. Hints from Dan Thompson. Keep your thumb on the fire button. Once you have a trillion in the view window, thrust, no, trust, the automatic tracking system to keep the crosshairs at the same height as the trillion. Then all you need to do is tilt the joystick right or left to aim your fire. They provide you in the manual a handy little blank section uh, for daring destroyers where you can put your name and score. This one is blank. I don't know, Henry, how did we do? I think we got both got about 15,000 points today. We played a little bit, uh, obviously, for the field report, so uh, we'll talk in a minute about what we thought of it. Uh, oh, sorry. And that is how you play The Earth Dies Screaming! I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, 
I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. The Retroist did a review of the game in 2010, that starts out, uh, in 1983, 20th Century Fox poured through their large archive of movies searching for a movie to turn into a game. What movie would they choose to port? Planet of the Apes? The Omen? One of the Star Wars films? Too obvious, they said. Instead, they settled on an obscure 1965 British science fiction film directed by Terence Fisher called The Earth Dies Screaming. I'll probably mention this again in a minute, but I've actually seen different dates. Sometimes it's 64, sometimes it's 65. Didn't really matter. They probably thought the title sounded cool, and it does but the gameplay in this 1983 game has absolutely nothing to do with the plot of the film. Save for the fact that you are fighting against vaguely alien-like ships. Sorry, Willard Parker fans. On the good side, the game is pretty nice-looking, first-person shooter with free range of motion. You get a pretty good Ill- illusion of 3D motion. The gun sounds are pretty harsh but satisfying, and the graphics are crisp and science fiction-y. On the bad side, they say, the game is boring. You can hold the button down, so firing is rapid fire, which makes aiming or lack of it a snap. That pretty much takes care of the alien ships, but the collision detection on the alien shots is a bit off, so sometimes you miss firing, even when shooting straight on. Some better visual feedback on blasting the alien shots would help, but you kind of need to assume you took them out. So you hold down the button to blast away for about 10 minutes before you realize, wow, there is no real challenge to this game in the long run. I'd like to give the game one star, but I'm conflicted because the game has some innovative elephants. Elephants. They have innovative elephants. That's a game I would play. Someone make an Atari homebrew called Innovative Elephants. I will hand you my money immediately. No, strike that. I'll hand you Henry's money immediately. Uh, some Innovative Elephants. Uh, man, some in- I, I have, I'm not drunk, I promise. Some Innovative Elements, such as the range of motion, the illusion of 3D, and the HUD. Sorry, I wasn't paying enough attention. I don't know what the HUD means. But anyway, this guy likes it. Giving the game two stars, but I'm telling you it is barely two stars. The website FreezeNet, wrote in 2014, says the premise of the game is pretty straightforward. The idea is simply to see how long you can survive and how many enemies you can shoot down. There doesn't appear to be any possible way of winning. The only thing is to play for a high score. I found this game to be a a bit depressing in that it's impossible to win and there's no real high score capability. Still, being able to play a first-person perspective game made so far back in the day was kind of interesting to say the least. I kind of wish the game wasn't so short-lived and that it's more than possible to have your fill of the game in less than 15 minutes. Graphically, it's impressive that this is a first-person perspective game. It's able to simulate distance by shrinking enemies as they are further away. The radar was a nice graphical feature, but it was weird that a decision was made to make the planet pink and maroon instead of, say, blue and green. Audio was impressive given the hardware limitations. Overall, if you're after a short game, this might be an option. While short-lived, the concept of the game is interesting. The game, while a little on the simplistic side, wasn't bad. Overall rating is 66%. That's by Drew Wilson, is the uh, reviewer there. So what about this movie that they're talking about in these reviews? The Earth Dies Screaming, according to the Universal Monsters fandom wiki, is a 1965 British science fiction film directed by Terence Fisher, stars Willard Parker, Virginia Field, Dennis Price, Vanda Godsell, 
Thorley Walters. Henry, I know you're 11, but I'm changing your name. Your name now is Thorley Walters Pepper. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Henry says that's okay. David Spencer and Anna Polk also star in this film. It was shot in black and white at Shakespeare Studios in London. Location filming was done at the village of Shear in Surrey. Is one of several 1960s British horror films to be scored by the avant-garde Elizabeth Lutons, whose father Edward Luton, Edward Lutons designed Manor House Lodge in Shear, a small property which features prominently at several points in the film. I don't want to give away too much, but the film opens with people mysteriously dying, uh, just kind of collapsing and dying. Trains career off the rails, cars crash into walls, people drop to the ground where they stand. Later, a test pilot, Parker, seeks cover in a village pub, having survived the attack. Some more uh, survivors gather at this pub. They're all very confused. What's going on? What, what's the deal? Uh, I'm not going to read too much more, because uh, I don't want to spoil it for myself, because not to spoil anything for the podcast, but uh, you might hear more about this movie later. Give you a little bit of trivia here. The Earth Dies Screaming was used in 1983 as the inspiration and title for an obscure Atari 2600 video game. No way. As you can tell with the little bit that I gave you of the plot of the movie, this game has nothing to do with the movie. UB40, remember them, had a top 10 hit in the UK in 1980 with a song with the same name as the film. But the song's subject matter was a post-nuclear holocaust. Tom Waits has a song called Earth Died Screaming on his 1992 album, Bone Machine. The song and name were inspired by the title of the film, despite Waits never actually seeing it. Earth Die Screaming is the name of an experimental band in Austin, Texas. Contrary to popular belief, the band actually takes their name from the 1983 Atari video game. I should see if I can get those guys on the podcast. The title is referenced by a Dalek in the Doctor Who episode, Victory of the Daleks, who says, The Earth Will Die Screaming. Sorry, let me do a Dalek voice. The Earth Will Die Screaming. Exterminate! Exterminate! I'm a Doctor Who fan. I might have mentioned that once or twice. So yeah. If any of you has heard any of those songs or that experimental band and you want to do a music review for the podcast, why not? Go ahead. Just send it to me in any of the ways that you can send me stuff that we'll talk about at the end of the show. All right. Well, after the break, we're going to make you scream. Starring Henry and me. Henry's in the driver's seat today. He is going to save the Earth. Henry, proceed to save the Earth with a minimum of screaming. Here we go. There's a little bit of reflection from the light in the background on the screen, but I think you can still see pretty well. Um, we've got the star field through the radar screen at the top. The action has started. I don't know why the Earth is pattern of pink and purple, but it's a safe global warming. I don't know. Uh, here comes the uh, attackers. I don't know what the big yellow blob is. Looks like, uh, honestly to me, it looks like uh, some chicken. I don't know if I'm going to turn the chicken or sesame chicken or something. I might just be hungry. We've got the crosshairs. Here's a pretty good shot. Blasted his butt. Uh, it's a very, very, very colorful screen. Uh, I dig that. It looks cool. I like the, uh, I like the gun sights. I like the guns. Uh, I like the laser. Uh, the, uh, the laser's coming out. That's pretty cool. 
lot of pleasing blasting sounds that you enjoy in a video game. What do you think of the look of this game, Henry? Eh? Kids today, I'll tell you. disagreement over whether the video was actually recording. Um, keep in mind, he's very young and I'm very young. So, any of you in the team, and it's Henry's camera. I don't know how much you can hear now. Uh, we did turn down the audio on the TV a little bit. But I saw the, I saw, I think I almost, um, knew what the spaceship or the enemy base? Awesome. I know that the, uh, the bars are... It, it disappears after a second. Okay. I know the bars at the bottom are supposed to indicate energy level. Green, yellow, red. But green and red stay up there all the time. So I'm not entirely sure how to read what is probably a very simple display. That noise is kind of ominous. Got pummeled. You can do it, but it doesn't sound good. I think the earth just got destroyed. Uh, screaming. Oh well. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Car by Car podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8 bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's x-e-g-s, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So, here's the thing about The Earth Dies Screaming, the game. Henry, do we like The Earth Dies Screaming? Yes. Yes. Henry says yes. Why do we like this game? Mm. Whenever you say yes that you like a game, you're always like, I don't know why. I just do. Oh, we have to do our continuing segment, which I still don't have music for, listeners. What game is Henry playing while we podcast about a different game? Henry, what game are you playing? Mm -hmm. A car racing game. Does it have a name? No. It's the unnamed car racing game. Is it like uh, like on a racetrack? Are you racing yes. through a city? No. On a racetrack? Yes. Are you winning? Mm-hmm. He doesn't know if he's winning. Uh, I'm just going to assume he is because he's pretty good at these games. Have you played it before? No. Ooh, first time. What do you think of it? Mm-hmm. Doesn't know yet. I guess it's only the first time, so it's hard to form an opinion after the first time. So, 
there's a cliffhanger for you. Maybe we can find out later if he actually liked the game or not. This has been What Game Is Henry Playing While We Podcast About a Different Game. Insert musical sting here that I don't have. As for me, I actually do think the game kind of has some replay value, although I could see this not being one that you constantly come back to forever. It's an impressive looking game. The colors are kind of weird and sort of striking when you first turn the game on, which is both good and bad. Good in the sense that it really catches your eye and kind of pulls you in. Bad in the sense that, yeah, the earth is purple and pink for some reason. It's loud and noisy, and that's all good. I can imagine playing a game like this in an arcade. An arcade version, of course, would be different, but just in terms of the sound and the noise. The sound and the noise. The the sound and the uh, graphics sort of being swallowed up by all the, the noise of the other games around it. Uh, as you're standing there at the cabinet in the arcade. You get a little bit of taste of that playing the game uh, on your home console. So I like all that. As far as there not being an end to the game, that's not really all that unusual, is it? You, a lot of games you just sort of play until you run out of lives. That's not that strange. Overall, though, I, I think it's a good game. I think I would keep playing it at least for a while, and that's uh, about all you can ask. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled, All Over But the Screaming. The great gust of wind nearly tipped the diminutive woman over, but she clung to the tree trunk with long, thin arms. She only let go to wrap those arms around the man's frail body as he pitched forward out of the tree. With a bit more strength, and just a few moments more, they might have been safe, for now, in their treetop shelter. But not now. Not ever again. She laid the man gently on the ground. She looked up through the bare branches as the dying sun was swathed again in darkening clouds. She wished she understood what was happening, but also feared that understanding, just as all humans always had to some extent. Her mate groaned and shuddered as a cold front swept through. For warmth, she covered his naked body with her own. He tried to grin at her reassuringly, even as a rivulet of blood trickled from his mouth. She had a vague sense that once humans had been able to prevent the dying, but no more. The old magic, the Medanik, was no more. He didn't have a name. Neither did she. Names required families, societal structure, language, all of which had died as the earth began to fade. Societies fracture over time under economic pressures, political disagreement, race and cultural disputes. Over time, groups of people splinter. It's slow, starting with a little more than a thing on social media that makes us shake our heads today. That discord slides into hostility and then political movements. And then, like everything else that seems important today, it turns to nothing. Lacking anything to really believe in, identity becomes lost. All of which is to say, she knew not what to call this man before her had no words for her love, but love him she did. He rolled over, coughed a gurgling cough, and was still. The two would not mate and bear young now. This was it. The earth would die. The scream that erupted from the woman's tiny frame was swallowed in the roar of the earth cracking and breaking beneath her feet. Desperate to be anywhere else, but no idea how to get there, she clambered up a small hill and looked into the valley below. There was no one there, of course, and there never would be again. The living became the dead, and the dead wash away consumed by water, flame, or beast. This is how the Earth dies. Not in a war, not in an epic space battle. Just one person at a time. 
The woman sits and cries, but the crying quickly turns to anger. She doesn't know much of humanity's ages-old stubborn history, the unwillingness to back down even from catastrophes at their, of their own making. She doesn't know about the wars that went on too long, the environment tortured and protected in endless cycles, the illnesses that ravaged societies were conquered then flirted again in another form. She didn't know how the humans fought back, even as they fought each other, until finally they couldn't fight anymore. She knew none of that. But a fire still burned within, as hot as the fire that routinely gutted the forest around her. Her love was dead. She knew that. And that was enough to propel her. If this was the end, and surely it was, she decided she would not go out just sitting there. And so, she stood, walked, stumbled, and rose again. Propelled to walk during the day by the chill that enveloped the land and warmed at night by the lava flows miles away. And this she would do forever if necessary however long forever was. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Henry, as always, for hanging out with me. Thanks, Henry. Yeah. Don't forget, go to the Instagram. Check out the work that's already up there. As we're recording this, the new charcoal prints are not up there yet, but eventually we'll have some up there. So check those out. Let us know what you like, or if you have any custom projects that you would like Henry to work on. We can uh, we can talk about that. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Scream into the void that is Apple Podcasts about how much you like this show with a five-star review. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. And don't forget, you can call, too. We're never, ever going to answer the phone. But you can leave a voicemail about pretty much anything you want at 563-265-1978. Got a thought about any of the games that we've played? Or a story that I've presented to you? Or a music review, like we talked about earlier in the episode? Or a movie review? Or what you like in your coffee? Or if you're sad because you broke your coffee mug? You know, whatever. Leave a message, and we'll probably play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofleaguecreations.com. What are you going to find there? Well, you're going to find social media, show notes, information about this podcast, Atari Bytes, and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You're also going to find out information about books that I've written and links to a few of the places that you can order them, like Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. There's information about other things that I've worked on, just all sorts of stuff over there. Also, please consider supporting the show financially. Uh, Help us keep the lights on here in the podcast studio by becoming a subscriber on the Patreon project at patreon.com. Just go to the Atari Bytes page over there and sign up. There are different levels that you can sign up at, and you might be able to get, uh, certainly get thanked on this show. You could also get access to episodes early. You don't necessarily have to wait until the day they come out. Uh, For everybody, you could also get bonus content. We put up uh, videos and other things, uh, including the uh, every week the video of the field report for that week. 
so you can check those out and occasionally other things that we put up there if you're a subscriber on the patreon uh, most importantly if you become a subscriber then you can hang out with these fine people Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, Aerospike, M. West, and our newest patron, Jim, Jimmy G, Jim Goebel. Uh, welcome, Jim. Clearly, you realized that you needed to show up and keep an eye on those other people. Uh, so that was a good move. Welcome to the group. Uh, oh, by the way, when I say you can hang out with those people, I don't mean literally. For one thing, you know, social distancing and all. Plus, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that necessarily uh, all of you want to hang out. So that's entirely up to you guys. Um, you can decide that on your own. All right, we're about out of here. Is there anything else we need to talk about, Henry? No. Henry says no. Bug says no. Bug has gone to sleep as we record. Uh, I don't know if that's commentary on the show, but she's out. And we're out. Other than to do this. Next time on Atari Bytes, we're playing Chuck Wagon. My understanding is that this is a game inspired by the old Purina dog food commercials. Or not Purina. Purina Chuck Wagon. I think it's Purina. I have not done my show research yet, but the idea of a video game inspired by dog food is sort of fascinating to me. Uh, I may be totally wrong. That may not be what the game is, but I think that's what it is. We'll find out next week how wrong I am or how right I am. It'll be pretty much a typical show in that regard. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Thank you.